Amen. Thank you, Rod, for reading a not so or a bit of an awkward text this morning. Well, I'm going to uh, I want to share with you a couple texts uh, about Abraham this morning. So we'll be in Genesis chapter 12. We will also be in Genesis uh, chapter 22. Uh, but as I'm just coming here this morning, I, we've we've heard different uh, different thoughts about the tornadoes and 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 what took place this last Monday and. I just, I just want to um, uh, share with you, sometimes you wonder, what are we supposed to feel? What are we supposed to do when something like this happens? And I know many of you have, have given, and many of you here have donated as well, but I think that Jared has a, um, a, a pretty good example of being able to feel, being able to see, and being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And that, that is called lamenting, feeling with those in need. And that is what we are called to do as a church of Christ. And so uh, just even as this is still kind of heavy on our heart and sometimes we wonder what to think, that is our role as the church is to to find a way to be connected, to serve, to donate, to be hands on whatever it is we can do, be the church of Jesus Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the flesh. And so I just want to uh, pray over this as we get started. Many of you are shared, many of you are already finding different ways to contribute, but I, I hope that we hear the call from Christ Uh, when things like this happen in our community. So let's pray. Well, Lord, this morning we hear your voice and we want to say yes. Today we say yes uh, to feeling for our neighbors who have lost. Although there have been very few lives that have been lost, there have been many that that have been injured, but imagining everything that we possess being swept out from under us or blown away from us. These are amazing times that remind us of what is most important, that remind us of, of the, the, the amazing capacity of people to step in and fill roles and to serve and to give up things to be fully present. And so, Lord, it is a moment uh, for us to respond to your voice and to your call in this time. So, Lord, I pray that you would be the God of of rebuilding. You would be the God of restoring. You would be the God of grace and peace and comfort and healing. And, Lord, that we would follow you and be led by you uh, for your will in such a time as this. Awaken us to your presence. Awaken us to your call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, um, today is not at all the end of of what is going to need to be done, we will be, I will be communicating with you, and there will be lots to share in upcoming weeks about ways that we can contribute and help. And I, you know, I love, what, there is something that happens when I get to prepare where um, I just think I'm preaching something because I put on my calendar and said I was going to preach it, and, and the Lord begins to speak to me in many ways. And, and I hope the same thing happens for you this morning as we, as we share a bit about um, Abraham this morning. And see, we're commanded in, in Scripture, a, a popular passage was Deuteronomy 6 called the Shema, which every Jew, every Hebrew would have known to, to read to their children. And one part of that says, and, and, hear, o, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and impress these words upon your children. It was important to share these stories with our kids to pass these stories on to the next generation. And what we have in Genesis was what was formed in Genesis is what was collected out of oral tradition, what was passed on from one generation to the next. That's what we have today, the stories that stuck, the stories that matter. And, and so if that's what our call and our commission is, then what do we do when we have these 
really awkward things like, like Vanessa has to do when she teaches children's church or junior Bible quiz. When we hear stories about, like, uh, go back to that next slide, uh, Genesis stories that we don't tell our kids. Um, what do we do when we have stories like Cain and Abel, uh, where Cain kills his brother? Or we, we know we love the story about Noah and the flood, but what about all the people that were left behind in the flood? And then we get to the story we're going to talk about today about Abraham sacrificing Isaac on the altar. What do we do with these passages? And so I want you to know in the book of Genesis, this, this text has a theological purpose. It has a spiritual purpose as well that, that passes thousands and thousands of years still to speak to you and I today. And so if your ears are open, the Lord is ready to speak to you this morning. And so there's so much that Abraham gave us that's awkward. Abraham and Abraham lied about his wife multiple times. He's, he's, he, he goes into a new territory and he tells his wife, tell them you're my sister so that you can go and be in, you know, some kind of relationship with them. And then they won't feel like they have to kill me for you. And he did that. Not only did he do that once, he does it twice. And then we have the story of Sarah about Sarah telling Abraham to go be with his maidservant so they can conceive a child. And, and then we have one that I'm actually going to give you the answer to today. Um, what do you do? How do you impress the, the words upon your children about circumcision? That doesn't make a very good children's church story, does it? Okay. So we're going to, we don't do, you know, we're, I'm, I'm going to give you an explanation for circumcision, but I promise I'm not going to have visual aids or anything like that, okay? So Abraham gave us a lot of awkward stuff. And so I'm just going to focus on a couple stories today, that one, one that we're going to find in Genesis chapter 12 and one that we're going to find in Genesis 22. And so, uh, so here we go. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, I encourage you to have your Bibles open so I can go through a few of these things and you can reference these texts directly. So Genesis 12, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And here's the key verse in this section, verse 4. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated to the people uh, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. I'm going to go just to, I'm actually just going to go to verse 7. It says, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So, Abram, well, we're gonna get, I'm going to get to two different pieces today. I'm just going to I'm going to go pretty quickly through two different stories, and we're going to see this common theme of obedience. So when I talk about obedience, the first kind of obedience that we see in this text is simply blind obedience. But for each one, I'm going to give you the theological and the spiritual application. In the book of Genesis, you have to understand that again, these stories were passed from generation to generation. 
What's stuck has significance. It's led by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is inspired. It's for us today. And there is always in these stories, there's a theological point that is being made through what Abraham has just done. And so the theological thing that's happening here is that there is another new beginning. If you remember, Adam and Eve, they kind of dropped the ball in the garden. So there was a new beginning um, that they now were going to live a certain way. They were going to have new challenges. They were going to have, woman was going to have pain and childbirth and at, and man was going to have trouble raising the soil and the, and by the sweat of his brow, he would, he would raise the land. And so there, there was one beginning and then man became corrupt. And so eventually God had to have a flood. And, and so then there was a new beginning with Noah and his family with his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And they were told to go and populate the earth and be fruitful. And what did they do? The exact opposite of that. They all hung out right together. And in Genesis chapter 11, they began to build the Tower of Babel. And so here, we are just one chapter over in Genesis chapter 12, is now where we get to the story of Abraham. And God is, in all of this disobedience of giving simple commands, we see this guy doing something crazy where he is incredibly comfortable in the land of Ur and Chaldeans. And the Lord says, leave this place and go where I tell you. And he does. It's that simple. So there's this line, and Abraham is in the line of Enoch to walk with God and was not, for God took him. He's in the line of Methuselah, who was the oldest man in the Bible, lived to be pretty close to, lived over 900, over 900 years old. Um, so he's right in that line of that family. And so the remnant of all the people of God would go back to the lineage, the line. Okay, you ready for this? Here's the circumcision explanation if you've never understood it before. The seed of Abraham. So when the covenant was cut with, with, with Abraham, that would be a sign to everyone of, of Abraham's line. Every time they saw that, every male that would ever see that, they would be reminded of who they are, that there is something special about you. There's something special about your seed. There's something special about this line. You were created here for a purpose, and you go all the way back to Abraham. That's how biblical circumcision began. It's actually a pretty powerful thing, something that we make so dirty and and, and awkward. The Lord meant to be something powerful, to be reminded of who you are and what you were created to do. You were created to, to create others that would follow and obey the living God. So there's the theological, all right? There's the theological aspect of everything that takes place with just Abraham going to a place and obeying. But the spiritual, how do we apply this today? You have to imagine putting yourself in Abraham's shoes. Disobedience reveals where Abraham's identity lies, is what his pursuit in life is. He could have remained comfortable pursuing after everything else that everyone was. But Abraham hears the voice of God and says, yes, but here's the scary part for me. And it says, and his boldness and confidence to bring so many along with him. I don't know. I had somebody, I was kind of with a counselor a few years ago, and they asked me a question that I'd never thought of before. And they said, what is, what is your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear in life? Take just two seconds and think about that question. What is your greatest fear? And my answer to that was, was similar to this thing that goes on with Abraham, to do to go and take my family and to lead someone into a place that turned out to be 
bad, to turn out to be very destructive, to cause my family, to cause those around me great pain because of something really stupid that I did. And so when Abraham, you got to imagine what it would have been like to be Abraham in this moment. Hey, guys, uh, I know everything's great here. We've accumulated a lot of wealth. We got everything we need and everything's really comfortable. If you guys are cool with me, I just heard from God and we're going to go tomorrow. I'm looking at Abraham and like, are you kidding me? We're all going to, where are we going to go? I don't know. God says it's going to be great. You know, I'm, I'm thinking there's something wrong with this guy. But this is, what, this is what begins with Abraham. Is all we have, What we have in the book of Genesis is simple obedience, simple blind obedience. He doesn't know where he's going. He really doesn't know what's going to happen next. But he says yes to the living God. Now, again, lots of things take place in Abraham's life. We have a whole good chunk of, of scripture about Abraham. But I want to get now all the way to Genesis 22, because here's the story that Rod read for us when we began. This is the, the chapter that makes us squirm a bit in, in, in Abraham's life, because we can't even imagine ever doing that this with our kids. We can't imagine um, ever putting a stamp on someone else doing this with their kids and saying it's spiritual, it's biblical. But here's what happens in Abraham 20, in, in Genesis 22. I'm actually going to pick up at verse 9, Genesis 22, verse 9, but I'll set it up before. Um, Abraham had, was promised that in Sarah's old age, she would conceive a son. And they laughed at that. I'm like, are you kidding me? She's way too old to conceive a child. And so it still hadn't happened. So they had to figure out a way to, to get a child. And so Abraham came up with this idea. Abraham and Sarah came up with this idea to, to have a child through Sarah's maidservant. And they had, anybody know, junior Bible quiz question, who was their first kid? Ishmael, very good, Sarah. Ishmael from, from Hagar. Yes, from Hagar. Did I say Tamar or something? From Hagar. Okay. And that was their first child. But that wasn't the one that the Lord had promised. The Lord said that Sarah would conceive a child. And so Sarah had the second child. And who was that? Junior Bible quiz question. Who was Sarah's child? Isaac, very good. And if you don't know, still today in the Middle East... Isaac and Ishmael are still going at each other. The Arabs and the Jews still to this day. All begins with <laughs> a lot of pressure to put on Abraham. One poor decision by Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> and there's still two nations rivaling with each other. It goes all the way back in here to the book of Genesis. So finally, they get the child that they were promised, Isaac. And pretty quickly after that, what does the Lord ask Abraham to do with Isaac. It begins and says this in verse 2. He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. It's kind of sad. It doesn't even mention Ishmael in this text. But take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Again, these don't make good junior Bible quiz, children's church stories. So we have to be adults this morning and understand what the purpose of this is. So here's what happens. I'm going to skip a few. I think you know what happens next. Abraham goes and grabs Isaac and says, come along with me, son. We're going to go on a trip. And they're getting all the stuff that they need to make a sacrifice. Isaac would have done that with Abraham before. But you got to wonder, Isaac's wondering, where's the sacrifice? Where's the animal? We usually have the animal at this point. We know what we're going to sacrifice. And here's where we pick up at verse 9. It says, and then they reached the place God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. 
He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So man or woman of God, if you were to share this story with someone else, what would you tell them? Why does this happen? Why would God ask Abraham to do this? Well, again, there's theological and there's the spiritual. There's something being said in the book of Genesis that will, that will be a theme throughout all of the Bible. And so the theological is that this, is, of course, is a type of Christ in Abraham's willingness to give up his son. Because ultimately, who would come through the line of Abraham, the seed of Abraham? Jesus. This is a type of his line that God would ultimately give up his son. But then the second piece is that God's willingness. No, wait, I'm not there yet. See, I'm still uh, blind obedience. I got to keep you with me here. I could read my notes, but it's easier to read those. So the next in blind obedience, or excuse me, season's obedience, the next piece was that then God's willingness to provide the sacrifice on Abraham's behalf. So Abraham, through the line of Abraham, was a willingness to provide, but also we see the intervention of God to provide a sacrifice on Abraham's behalf. So there's a theological point being made here. But let's get the spiritual side. What does this mean for you and I today? See, I said blind obedience because the first one was blind obedience because Abraham is doing what he's called to do. He doesn't really know where he's going. He doesn't know how this is going to work out. But the only difference to being a man or a woman that has walked with the Lord for many years, you know, I remember when I was 19, I didn't completely know what I was getting into. I was full of emotions and testosterone, and I had a lot of energy and a lot of excitement. I was going to take on the world for, for the Lord, and, and it just I was kind of blind. I didn't really know what this was going to look like for the rest of my life, but I was excited about it. But the only difference between blind and seasoned is, see, Abraham still doesn't know what's going to happen next in this case. He has got to be thinking, are you kidding me? But you have to understand, if the Lord intervenes, the Lord who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present, he knows Abraham's heart so that when he lifted up that knife, he wasn't faking it, he was going to do it. And it is in that moment that the Lord intervenes. See, the only difference between blind obedience and seasoned obedience is that Abraham, he doesn't know what's going to happen next, but he knows that the Lord can and will provide. He has come to understand the faithfulness of God. What takes place next is the Lord, of course, intervening. But we have to, to let this text speak to us because I don't know about you that just when I think that life may become predictable, the Lord likes to lead me to places or place me in situations where I'm uncomfortable or I don't know what's next and, and, but, and I want to know what's next so bad, but I just can't. And in these seasons, we have to trust that he really just wants our attention. So a couple key points as, we, as I share this in conclusion this morning, that Abraham's banner is obedience. 
The banner over Abraham's life is obedience. The text says in Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God enough to do what he was told to do. Maybe that sounds incredibly simple, but we had to get a verse that says that again in the New Testament. James 1.22, here's what it says. If you can put that, that verse up in James 1.22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do it. This is a word for me. I ask all of you today, right now, at this point in your life, those of you who are, who are men and women of God that, that hear the, vo- the voice of God, that know what it is he's calling you to do, do you know what you are supposed to be doing? What is the Lord speaking to you fresh today? Maybe it's not fresh. Maybe it's old. Maybe it's been passed on for, for years now, and you still haven't responded to it. Do you need to return what you, to what you used to do? You know what you're supposed to be doing, and you're not doing it. Most of the time, our reasons are nothing more than we just don't feel like it. And maybe we come to a point where I just wish I, I had my passion back. And well, you could try to, to stand up and pray, Lord, give me my passion back. And I believe in those moments the Lord may say something like, why don't you go get it? <laughs> Do the things that you know you are supposed to be doing. Do not merely listen to the word of God, but do it. The things that we know that we are supposed to be doing. Those things aren't that hard. The things you expect a preacher to say, to be men and people in prayer, to be people who open up our Bible and let God speak to us. And when opportunities come, like what's happening right around our communities, to serve and to to be neighbors, to be Jesus Christ in the flesh and make an impact in Brookville or our surrounding communities. But the one that can be harder for me at times when I just don't feel like it is when we're commissioned throughout Scripture to praise and to say thank you. And in those moments where our feelings begin to change because we begin to get reminded of everything we really have been given and all that we truly have and the God that is with us. And see, that's what happened to Abraham. In his seasoned obedience, he came to understand that the Lord would provide. His story is really unique because he saw God intervene, but a lot of Abraham's life was pro- a lot of Abraham's promises were promises for the future, promises that he would gain long after he was gone, things that would happen later. But the greatest thing that the Lord did for him that he would always remember was the one thing that he would be taking to the altar. Sometimes that feels like us. What the Lord's asking us to sacrifice the most is the thing that we've really always wanted, our own ambitions, our own desires, our own hungers, the things that we want the most. And sometimes the Lord asks us if we're willing to take those things to the altar. As I was preparing this morning, this song kind of gave me chills because it was a a song that lines up exactly with with Abraham. We're going to conclude with a time of just reflection. And the altars, of course, will be open. If you would be in need to come to pray and come forward to pray, I want to invite you to do that. But uh, Nick's going to play a, a song, and it's, you're going to have the words on the screen, and they might be a little bit hard to make out. But you may have, if you listen to any Christian radio, you've probably heard this song. It's called Even If by Mercy Me. And even if, the, the, the command is that even if you don't, 
We have a lot of things that we want, that, that we will continue to pursue you. It's going to be okay. Even if I don't get what I want right now, I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to praise you. I'm going to continue to be obedient. So I just want to encourage at this time, everybody close your eyes. Bow your heads and close your eyes. The story's been passed on from generation to generation. We're trying to do what we were commanded to do, to impress these words upon our children. Well, as the song sings, Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them, and so are you. This all goes back to our Father Abraham. We are called to be reminded of our Father's blind obedience and our Father's seasoned obedience. We're not always going to feel like doing what the Lord is calling us to do. We are not always going to feel like it. But it doesn't change the command. What is the Lord calling you to do this morning? So this time, as the song begins to play, we're just going to let the song play. You can look at the lyrics on the screen. You can have a moment of reflection, a moment of prayer. I want you, just as Abraham did, in these moments to say yes to the living God. If you would need prayer or you would want to come forward for, for, for prayer, I, I would love to make myself available. At this time, we want to turn this into a time of prayer and reflection. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire. They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing, a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be
Let's pray, Lord, that is the difference between blind obedience and seasoned obedience. And Lord, we, we can go from a moment of excitement when we have many promises and expectations of what it means to be a Christ follower, but then there's the moments when we know we're being called to another, another question mark, we, not knowing how this is going to end and what it's going to look like when it's all over. And Lord, we come to learn to trust you even when we don't feel like it, even when we fear that it's going to be hard. And Lord, I know that was for someone here this morning that, is, that has been journeying with you a long time, and now you've, it seems as if you are leading them to a new place that is uncomfortable, and you want to remind them of each and every path of their life that you have been present and that you will be present with them again. And church, as we conclude this message, I just want to sing that song a cappella, just those last three lines. If you'll sing it with me, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. We worship you today, Lord. It is well with our soul that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you are ultimately in control and we are not. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.